Ion 2020 episode 197. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey, what's up everybody? Ray Eaton here. Welcome to your Friday show. I appreciate you joining me every day this week and now again today for another episode of Ion 2020, which is your source for the news, the events, the things that go on in the 2020 election. Keep on coming back every single day and I appreciate those that continue to do that. Also, I've uh, noticed that the listenership continues to grow, so that must mean that you guys are out there sharing the show with your friends. You're also must be, uh, I guess you must be telling your friends about the show, I would imagine, and then if you, uh, I guess you're probably giving five-star ratings and reviews as well because people continue to see the show, and that's a good thing. If you are uh, if you see the show on Facebook or something, one of my little posts that I do, go ahead and share that with your friends as well. That would be great. And uh, then just keep on coming back every day. If it's your first time listening, I appreciate you listening. I don't ask for you to go ahead and subscribe to the show now, though. Just wait till the end of the show. If you continue to like what you hear then I would definitely appreciate it if you would go ahead and subscribe to the show then, okay? And then those that continue to listen and have not given a five-star rating and review, always helpful for me to do that. Uh, Today, I just want to do a little wrap-up of the week because we've been talking a lot about the, I mean, obviously on the news specifically, all it's been is all Trump, all day, all they talk about is the impeachment proceedings that are going on, how the Democrats are fast-tracking it, that they're moving fast, they're trying to, you know, get everyone at the White House to come and testify, they're trying to get Rudy Giuliani to go testify, they're trying to get anyone they can to go ahead and testify against Donald Trump or on these proceedings and just trying to get some information out of him as well. They're all closed-door meetings, so you don't know what's really being said. It's not done in the public eye or anything like that. Um, Donald Trump is blaming everybody and his mom, if possible, except for himself, He is uh, just, you know, making sure that he, oh, specifically he's blaming, he's trying to flip the script and say, oh, well, Joe Biden did it too. And it really just irks me. It's kind of like a uh, five-year-old, maybe a six-year-old thing that that people do when they're that age, or even young, even, you know, even older people do this as well, where the idea of two wrongs making a right, like, oh, well, he did it to me, so I can do it to him. My, My son does it all the time to my daughter. My daughter does it all the time to my son where they'll be sitting there getting into a little bickering argument. My son will act out against her, she'll act out against him, and she'll say, oh, well, he did it first, and I'm always saying, two wrongs does not make a right, you know, you have to tell me or do whatever. And that is pretty much what Donald Trump is doing in this situation, where they're just trying to place the blame towards Joe Biden for what he did in the past, and not... Obviously, they're not going to take responsibility for the actions or say anything negative about what their actions were because you're the President of the United States. You have to defend yourself. You have to protect yourself. You have to lie, cheat, and steal if you need to. Every Democrat would do it. Every Republican would do it. So I'm not saying it's just Donald Trump. They have to protect their own, right? So that's what they're going to do. So uh, that's what the news has been about all week long. And if you haven't heard me, I've been trying to kind of stay away from that news 
as much as possible. It's kind of annoying to listen to. You know where it's going to go. It's all bipart or it's not. It's all partisan BS that it's hard to even listen to. And the Democrats are going to protect their own. The Republicans are going to protect their own. The Democrats are going to go after Donald Trump. The Republicans are going to try to circle the wagons around him. So it's just a partisan issue, and I don't know how much it's going to affect the re-election campaign or anything like that for Donald Trump. I think it's probably going to hurt him in the end, uh, but we'll see. This is what I've been noticing, though, in the polls. I think this is starting to hurt Joe Biden. And that's the Friday wrap-up that I wanted to talk about was the polls, okay? You go to the betting odds sites, and it is at 50% chance of Elizabeth Warren being the Democratic nominee for president. She's going to win the primary. 50% chance is what they're saying on the betting odds sites, which is extremely high compared to what I've seen. The most I've seen anyone else at was like, you know, in the 20s. And then Elizabeth Warren, about a month or so ago, started hopping up into the 30s. Now she's topped 50%, guys. So, I mean, I want, I'm not sure what it is. You're starting to see polls come out, though, that are reflecting her moving up in the polls, Joe Biden moving down in the polls. You're seeing her getting a little bit more media attention. She seems like a reasonable candidate to maybe just the independent voter because she has some interesting write-ups and a plan for that like she's marketed herself as the person has a plan for that so maybe people feel that listen to her feel comfortable with her brand of socialism maybe she's learned how to present bernie's socialism in a little bit more of a palatable way where retirees and older people and younger people kind of drift towards that that might have been on the fence with bernie sanders but now it seems a little more palatable because she continues to reinforce, I have a plan for that. So I wonder if that's the case is why she's able to move up. You're really not seeing much movement from anybody else, though. You're still seeing Pete Buttigieg. You're still seeing Harris. You're still seeing Yang. You're still seeing O'Rourke. Like, they're all still getting a little bit of the vote. You're getting, people are still saying that they support them, but it's mostly... Biden, Warren, and Sanders, but Warren's slowly pulling away from Sanders. <clears throat> so let me go into the uh, poll that I found, the polls that I was looking at. It's the political morning consult poll, and this is uh, for the presidential nomination, okay? Now this says a little bit differently than what I was just saying, but this is as of Tuesday, October 1st. Biden's at 32%, Warren's at 21%, Sanders is at 19%. Okay, and then the day before that, you had a North Carolina poll that shows Biden at thirty-one percent, Sanders at twenty percent, Warren at fifteen percent. I swear that I was looking at a poll earlier this week, though, that was showing Biden. Here it is, right here. Democratic nomination. This is Economist and YouTube or YouGov, twenty twenty Democratic presidential nomination. Now. Keep in mind, The Economist has been having Biden a little bit lower than, or a little bit lower than a lot of the polls anyway, but it also goes along with a, a Monmouth poll, which those are two different polling agencies, and this is what it has for Wednesday. So from Tuesday, Biden's at 32%, Warren's at 31%, but then you have two polls that come out 
that are national presidential nomination. Economists, Biden, 22%. Warren, 28%. Sanders, 13%. Buttigieg, 7%. Harris, 5%. Yang, 3%. O'Rourke, 3%. Booker, 2%. Castro, 1%. Gabbard, 2%. Then everyone else is below 1%. That's interesting, right? I mean, that's what I found. Warren's up six points on Biden in that poll from one day different from the Politico to the Economist. Now, everyone's doing different things on how they poll and all that, but when you have two polls come out the same day that are similar, watch this, ready? 2020 presidential nomination for the Monmouth poll. Biden, 25%. Warren, 28%. Sanders, 15%. Buttigieg, 5%. Harris, 5%. Yang, 2%. O'Rourke, 1%. Booker, 1%. Everyone else is around that 1% or 0%. Amazing, right? That's Wednesday when that one comes out. So then the next polls that come out are basically different primary states. So you got the California primary with Biden at 29%, Sanders at 27%, Warren at 21%, Harris is at 7%. That's amazing because that's her home state. Oh, no, sorry. That was Ohio. Ready? Biden, 29%. Sanders, 27%. Warren, 21%. Harris, 7%. Buttigieg, 5%. That's for Ohio. Now look at California, though. This one is interesting, then. Biden, 22%. Warren, 23%. Sanders, 21%. And Harris is only at 8%. So that's her home turf, and she's getting her butt kicked pretty much in California. So she might as well just call it a day, to be honest with you guys. Maybe she could be the vice president first female vice president or something like that. Now, you're not going to have like a Warren Harris ticket or anything. Like Warren would have to find somebody. If she's going to become the Democratic nominee, she would have to find somebody specifically that is more towards the center to run with her to try to bring those people on board because Warren is pretty darn far left. But I mean, she's head to head with Joe Biden in California. Now, I think people are starting to see that Joe Biden might not be as electable as they once thought. That's why it's reflecting in these polls. And then the other thing that I just said earlier, that maybe Elizabeth Warren is being able to put together a palatable conversation about her her type of socialism, that people listen to it and they say, well, you know what? She seems like she's trustworthy. She seems like she knows what she was talking about. Maybe this stuff would work, like Medicare for all, free college tuition, wealth taxes, Maybe this stuff isn't so bad after all. I don't know. I just don't know. I just wonder. I, that, that's my that's my theory anyway. Is that you're looking at Elizabeth Warren who's moving up in the polls. She does have the best campaign going in the sense that... <clears throat> I think she has the best ground game going overall. I think that she is shaking a lot of hands, kissing a lot of babies, getting a lot of pictures taken. She's putting together a pretty darn good primary run and she has a good ground game in Iowa good ground game in New Hampshire she's also been all over the country elsewhere as well on Wednesday another poll came out New Hampshire Democratic presidential primary Biden 24% Warren 25% statistical dead heat right Sanders 11% Buttigieg 10% Harris 5% all these other people might as well just kind of hang up their hats and move on. Buttigieg having 10% in New Hampshire, that's pretty strong showing for him. I've heard that he has a pretty strong ground game as well, but the dude has a ton 
of money as well. An absolute ton of money. And that's another thing I want to talk about today as well as what these people have been raising. Just to see, but... What do you, this is what I talked about yesterday. Remember when I was talking about money going to candidates in Washington through these lobbyists and stuff like that? A lot of that money ends up in the campaign's hands as well. How much of that money ends up somehow to these campaigns that... Like, if they're raising millions upon millions of dollars... Now, I know Bernie Sanders and all, he... Uh, he says that he gets all of his money from individual donors. He had like a million individual donors, and he raised $25 million in the third quarter. That's pretty strong. But all these other candidates that are raising this money, like they are going to be bought and paid for in some way by some corporate interest, some lobby interest, whatever, you know? Oh, by the way, keep that in mind. Bernie Sanders, I don't know that he's going to be in the race much longer either. He just had two heart stints put in to his heart or into his arteries and when you think about that I'm almost certain that somebody like that uh, is going to stop getting more supporters and start going towards the next best alternative because of some health issues the age issues I think that he might stop and say you know what let me reevaluate things maybe I can't go at the full pace that I had been I don't know but he's pretty much hardcore into his version of socialism And he really wants to be the leader of that movement. He really has been the leader of that movement. And I think that... I mean, it's possible that he might stay in, but... I guess that's up for grabs to see. But the other day he did have a heart stint put in. uh, Two of them. And and that's not like a major surgery. Usually they go up through an artery in your groin. Go in there, place the stents, and they pull right out. The only thing they have to do is sit in the hospital for like two days or so. Just make sure that that artery doesn't or that the the uh, stitches don't reopen from that artery. They're just going to make sure it starts healing a little bit first, and then you can get out of the hospital. So it's not like a major surgery or anything by any means. But he was having some heart problems, supposedly. Maybe he had some, ch- some chest pains at the time. And when something like that's happening, it makes might make him rethink if he wants to stay out on the campaign trail or not. Who knows? But we'll see. So I'm going to hop on to also the topic of... Um, I want to see what the campaigns raised in the third quarter. Now, that money has not come out yet, though. The money, uh, or not the money, sorry, the um, the donation, like, uh, I think it's on the 14th or the 15th, is when they actually have to uh, announce their numbers, but a lot of them start n- announcing their numbers right off the bat as well. So I'm going to go ahead and look that up and let you guys know about what these guys have announced so far. I know that Bernie Sanders says he raised $25 million in the third quarter, so let's see what everyone else is raising as well, because I would not be surprised if Pete Buttigieg is right up there at the top as well, still, even though he's not a top tier candidate. So you might be surprised to hear the certain names that I'm putting out here, because you wouldn't think that they're still in the, in the campaign or anything like that, but Michael Bennett, who's that senator from uh, Colorado, he has $2.1 million raised in the third quarter. Uh, I mean... That's not going to keep him going. But he's not even in the debates anymore, guys, so it doesn't really matter. Andrew Yang raised $10 million. That's pretty impressive for a guy that's just a business owner, right? He raised it from 300,000 different donors. And uh, that's in the third quarter. Kamala Harris, $11.6 million. Pretty strong showing, right? Um, And she must have got a huge bump from her better 
debate performance, but then afterwards she kind of fell off. She seems like she doesn't have a lot of energy. But I mean, the $11 million, $11.6 million does keep her in the race for sure because these people do need money to spend. Cory Booker, $6 million. Yes, he's still in the race. He's actually a pretty aggressive person. He seems like he's, uh, you know, talks well. He understands the issues that he's talking about. He puts them out there in a pretty pretty charismatic way. So $6 million, I'm just surprised that he's not raising more money than that. And that's from 46,000 donors, I guess, is what they're saying. Yeah, so um, then Bernie Sanders, $25.3 million. I already talked about that. And then Pete Buttigieg, 19.1. Whoa, holy cow. So Pete Buttigieg raised the most money in the second quarter of all the cancers I was very surprised about. But he raised less money than Bernie Sanders. And I was really thinking that Bernie Sanders or Pete Buttigieg was probably going to be one of the top people. But then again, $19.1 million for a middle-tier candidate, someone that's barely breaking 5 or 6%, that's pretty strong. But he has a lot of people behind him, man. He has, Like I said, I think he has some interesting people behind him that are like big contributors to Democrats. So they must have some kind of aspirations for this guy in the future, I'm pretty sure. And that's all the ones that I've announced as of right now. So I'll keep you guys up to date on that. I think most of them wait till it's not quite as public to announce if they've had bad showings. Like, uh, let's say Joe Biden had a bad showing on his numbers. He might wait a little while. Uh, no one wants to have Bernie Sanders outraise them, especially from the grassroots effort that he has. But Bernie Sanders is able to raise quite a bit of money. What if he drops out, though? Where does all that money go? That's what I'm wondering. Where does the money go? If anyone ever knows that, just uh, let me know. Ray at IonTheEmpire.com. I think it goes to the Democratic National Committee, honestly, because I see a lot of these campaign donation websites are actually run by some organization that's affiliated with the Democratic National Committee. So I wonder if it just goes into their little coffers. I know that the email addresses that you might post do because they email me like crazy just because I gave one stinking dollar to uh, to one of the campaigns. So, uh, yeah, anyway, guys. Uh, hey, that's all I got for you today. It is Friday. I hope that you have a phenomenal weekend. I do. Uh, if you want to keep on hearing the show, like I asked you earlier, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show. I can ask you now because you've heard the show. Uh, go back and listen to some other episodes as well. I got 196 before this. There might be some good, interesting episodes for you to listen to. Uh, the ones that are most timely, obviously, the most recent. But then there's also uh, episodes that are specifically about policies and proposals and candidates and what they believe in and all that stuff. You can listen to those. That would be great. Uh, but Ray at IonTheEmpire.com if you ever want to email me. You can also follow me, IonTheEmpire.com, and through Twitter and Facebook, IonTheEmpire as well. Uh, if you ever want to support the show, that's phenomenal. I think that it's uh, very nice when somebody likes me that much that they want to support the show. And that would be anchor.fm slash ion2020. And then come back on Monday, all right? And you will have clear vision for 2020. Okay, it's official. First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. The website is up, firstyearinsales.com, as well as the podcast, First Year in Sales. So, if you know somebody or if you happen to be in sales, you might as well go ahead and check this thing out, right? Because it is going to help you become a better salesperson by grounding you with the habits 
and the skills needed to be successful in sales, especially in your first year. But even if you're not in your first year, might as well check it out because then you'll be able to get back to the basics and getting back to the basics is key in sales. I've always felt that way. So go ahead and check it out. First year in sales is ready and it's a podcast and you can do firstyearinsales.com.